Sopranos podcast. As always, I'm Joe Spellman, and this is Paul Golius, and this is David Peternick. I did it. Uh, I did it. I said your man. names. You're just gonna the step bit. on our toes like that, dude. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna you be know, like, I'm, that's what we do now. I was gonna be like, I'm Marty, the guy from the casino. Okay, <laughs> well, you did so say that. Good. There you go. So funny. And I would have said something <laughs> even less funny than that. So, true, true, true. <laughs> all right, all right. So we wound up doing the regular Perfect. intros. Um, and we're talking season four, episode 12, Eloise, Eloise. a very easy name for me to remember and say. <laughs> yes, only a couple it's syllables. It's just a name. It's a real yep. name. Um, and yeah, you know what, Dave? Why don't you go ahead and introduce our We guests? are joined by the great Mike Vorkanoff of The Athletic. He covers the NBA and the Knicks uh, in particular. Uh... I believe you live Ooh. in Jersey. Do you not, Mike? I do. What gave it away? <laughs> Your Rutgers beanie, perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Rutgers beanie, Sopranos episode podcast, uh, <laughs> all the people that have killed and buried their bodies in the Hudson River. Yeah. All those yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Checking all the boxes. Love it, love it. Uh, yeah, well, welcome to the pod, Mike. Uh, I was uh, trying to have you on for a couple of weeks because uh, we read your uh, great article on the video that has not been seen by many eyes um, as part of the pitch package to LeBron James before his famous decision, um, trying to lure him to the Knicks. Um, by the way, uh, like how like how many people do you think have actually seen it? Le- LeBron did see it, right? They did actually show it to him. Yeah, yeah. So he saw it. I mean, there's what I think six people from the Knicks in that meeting: LeBron, Rich Paul, Leon Rose. So it was like let's say like ten people in the meeting, the free agent meeting. Probably a few MSG people. Yeah, I would say probably like fifteen to twenty people saw it at least. Yeah, somewhere around there. And for those people who haven't read the article, you should go read it on the Athletic. You should also follow Mike, um, and you should subscribe to the Athletic because I assume. A good chunk of our listeners who listen to a Sopranos podcast are also probably tri-state area uh, sports fans. So you should be reading Mike. You should be reading Lindsay Adler um, and all the other. So if we get if we get Leon Rose on this <laughs> podcast, then he can he can describe the uh, the video like you know frame by frame. No, he wasn't. If you get Leon Rose on this podcast, Jesus, that'd be impressive. <laughs> that that would be we would be the bane of all the Knicks beat writers' existence because. <laughs> yeah, you'd have one more interview with Leon Rose than I would. Right, so. right, right. Kudos to you. <laughs> he just really wants to talk yes, about Sopranos. Yes. I'm sure. I guess so. Yeah, I'm, that's the thing. He's a Jersey guy. He's yeah, South Jersey. I'm sure. Sh- I'm sure oh, he's not go. at all sick of the comps to Tony Soprano at this point. Uh. <laughs> he's, a, he's a big Springsteen guy. I've heard that. I think he's gone to like over 150 uh, 50 shows. So I don't know if any of you are Springsteen fans. I'm not. So I don't know if that's the thing you guys can talk about. I Let's am. My, my wife is a monster Springsteen fan. Uh, I, I like okay. him, but I'm not like Never seen him crazy. live. Yeah, never seen him live. Yeah, I like him. He's uh, better than Dave Matthews. I'll give him that. Whoa, 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 whoa! Hey, 
Hey, <laughs> didn't, didn't need to go there. Uh, so I guess like the, the biggest question for me, like after reading the article is, uh, and I believe it was either the producer or the director uh, who said like, you really don't want to see it. It would let you down. Um, how do you guys feel about like, would you want to see it or is it better to just kind of envision a better version of what the actual product was in your head? I mean, I would want to see it I mean, for sure. I don't care about stuff like that. It's the last, like, it's the last yeah, time they I mean, ever played those characters together. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I know it's probably I'm probably not going to be like, oh, wow. But, uh, you know, I would just, you know, I'm such a fan of the show that I would be like, all right, that was cool. That you was have fun. To watch it. Uh, I, yeah, I'm glad I saw that. But it doesn't ruin the show or anything for me. Right. And you got to take it with a grain of salt. Right. Because even um, in your article, man, he's he, like the director was saying that people would probably be like a little disappointed with what it actually was. Right. If there was like a ton of like hype behind it. Like, yeah, this is this is not this was not made uh, to be to like appease Sopranos fans. This was made for LeBron James to be lured to the Knicks. Right. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it was, it was one. It was made for LeBron um, Two, from the way they were talking about it and kind of kept insisting it was, it's a relic of 2010. Um, <laughs> so, you know, like we've we've progressed from then. Uh, so I think also it was like film, uh, you know, apparently pre all digital so i'm sure it's not like you know perfect super 4k or whatever yeah so essentially it would just be kind of stuck in the time that it was made sure uh that, that reminds me of um like the hillary clinton 2008 ad campaign where they like went to holston's and like <laughs> yeah. oh god you remember that? Yeah. yeah yeah it yeah. probably feels something oh, similar man, yeah. to that where they're just like she makes bill eat like carrots popularity yeah she makes bill eat carrot sticks instead of diamond <laughs> rings like yeah, yeah. right right uh, so funny if anything if if anything if it came out people would critique it for if it was encouraging the lebron to come to new york uh, <laughs> well it must not. yeah it were they were they effective it must have enough? sucked because Le- if it was really good lebron would have come so <laughs> exactly you know like exactly maybe if david chase wrote it you know produced <laughs> so it, the premise know. the premise is tony and carmella after the series finale are trying to are in witness protection so right. so it would it would uh definitively answer whether or not tony died in the series finale he's alive he's in witness protection and then they are discussing uh lebron james coming to new york somehow right that's that's yeah, like the whole I, yeah yeah, they're they're um, helping him try to find a place to live in New York. Oh, I see. Okay, um, apartment hunting. So I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I don't know if they're still living in New York themselves in this witness protection scenario. I would assume if you go into witness protection and you're from North Jersey, you'd want to move a little further <laughs> away. But maybe that's like the last place to look for me is you know right where I always was type of situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they're like, oh, we'll never be yeah. found out walking to Zabar's to get our groceries. Like, you know, <laughs> right. I, I would say, like, in you know, it's probably a little disappointing to know if uh, if we're going to count that as canon that Tony ultimately flipped, right? So he's in witness protection. So yeah. He's not only alive, but he was he's a rat. He's the yeah. guy that he right. hated the whole time. Right. Yeah, that might be a little con- controversial amongst Sopranos fandom. Uh. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I would imagine that would raise some hackles. I mean, he he he, he was that, notoriously now- like shy, and I, I mean, it just goes to show you what a big Knicks fan the two of them uh what he was and and that you Falco is the fact that they were willing to do that just shows what diehard fans they were because I imagine they were asked to do 
some version of that various points for like certain events or charity or things and they Mm -hmm. never you know refused to do it uh, until then so uh i don't know that's kind of cool and gandolfini was notoriously sort of like he shied away from all that stuff like he never did that kind of stuff right and to have, have done it for uh his beloved nicks i guess is 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 quite a statement but do, do we have any concept of like how long the scene was or like if it if it entailed anything besides the two of them in an apartment discussing LeBron James? We don't know. No, it's just I, I think it was just a few minutes. It was just them in the apartment because yeah. they shot it all at Gandolfini's Manhattan apartment. I think he lived in the West Village at the time or something like that. Um, and so, I mean, the, the interesting thing is like he seemed to be the driver mm-hmm. of this whole thing. Right. Like, of, I guess, reprising the whole Sopranos thing because getting Edie involved and then kind of just thinking it through a little bit, which as you guys said, he, he didn't do the Sopranos character outside of the Sopranos, right? right. Like he was pretty adamant about that, but um, the Knicks, you know, asked a bunch of celebrities for that video to just like do some stuff, tape some vignettes, but you know, Jim kind of, it seemed like brought it all together to, to do a Sopranos thing, um, which I think is pretty cool. I guess that tells you how big of a Knicks fan he was, that he was willing to do it and that he was willing to kind of get involved in the, you know, the quote unquote creative process. So, yes. Right. Yeah. Cause do you think, do you think he knew that it would make a bigger splash if, if he was in character as Tony Soprano? Um, because I wonder if any other actors who were recruited to do this uh, actually like played characters they were uh, famous for or anything like that. Um no, I think the rest were just kind of like, you know, they asked them to tape like, uh, hey, come to New I'm, you know, so I'm Robert De Niro. Come to New York, LeBron. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. Walt Frazier. I'm Donald Trump. I'm Donald Trump. Like, God. Um, and so that was like the, the, the shtick that they were going for there, where uh, Gandolfini and Edie Falco uh, kind of did some acting and, and did their own thing. And apparently they did it pretty well because, uh, as I said, Jonathan Hawks, the director there, said the chemistry was so great and they kind of like, you know, really vibed and went into uh, Tony and Carmela. See, that's that's why you have to watch. If you're yeah, a fan, you're, like, yeah, you're you can't right. say you don't want to see it. Like, just to have, I mean, primarily because it's there's a there's a definitive end here. James Gandolfini unfortunately passed away. We will never get any more. So to have to know that there's this like morsel out there uh, of him in character with his chemistry with Edie Falco, like anybody who's saying like, I don't want to watch it because I don't want to like have to acknowledge that perhaps Tony was a rat and this and that, like, that's just like nonsense to me. I don't, I don't understand that. (laughs) But um, what, what do you think, man? Do you think, uh, do you think the Sopranos fandom would, uh, would embrace this or do you think it would be more controversial or, or what? I I think it would probably be, um, I think it would probably be like confirmation bias <laughs> somewhat based on how you thought the series ended. Right. Sure. If you were the person who thought, uh, you know, he survived it and he's out there somewhere, like this is like proof. Um, you know, if you thought that it was, you know, he died and all that, then you're like, Oh, this is BS. Like, right. this is just them making stuff up. I would love to have asked David Chase about it. I got a hard no oh, yeah. real quick. Yeah. Um, from, his, from his publicist. Uh, yeah. The closest I could come was Alan Seppenwall. Mm. um the yeah. sopranos you know the great <laughs> sopranos connoisseur and, and he's pretty definitive that it is not canon yeah um right so i'll take his his word for it and his um, argument they, i don't know was, oh god no i was gonna say but if if i bet if the knicks got lebron uh alan also being a huge knicks fan 
might have just changed his mind. Yeah. Said, okay, this worked out. Like we're yeah. we're counting it. Yeah, like, yeah, this yeah. is the real life. Yeah, episode. this is canon now. This right. is part yeah. of the Sopranos legacy. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's that's great. I forget has uh, Seppenwald has never seen it. Uh no, he he has not. He has not seen. It. I mean, he obviously knows about it. Um, mm -hmm. but he has not. You know, I don't think many people have. Like this was, um, you know, kind of a closely guarded secret uh like there have been reports about it obviously but there nobody's actually seen the video and no one's like quite sure whether the video really exists like they taped it apparently on you know um you know maybe david you can tell me how the whole process editing process or like i guess on reels or whatever on vhs and then they moved it to like some digital editing place in times square at the time and like they don't really know where it exists now anyway so i don't know i don't know if there's a chance for anyone to see it anymore yeah, you said the product. You said the production company is no longer right, right. correct. Yeah, I, their office closed. Maybe they're still around somewhere, but there's not a New York City office anymore. Um, and I tried to track down people, but I I wasn't able to. Um, so like, yeah, it's, it's just mm. out in the ether somewhere. What what odds? Hey, do maybe you maybe a listener of this podcast has it. You know, like we're gonna yeah, like uh, call, it, call it out. Uh, leak me the copy um, yeah, yeah, yeah. just find me on twitter my email is there dm me my dms are open like let let the world see this thing do you, could you yeah. could you put a percentage odds of what you think uh the odds are that that this will surface at some point <laughs> uh, i mean i i like to think that everything is a non-zero chance so i'll go sure. like one percent okay okay yeah this yeah. is right on on non-zero right right <laughs> LeBron lost his DVD in the move. This is, it's never, it's never coming up again. Hey, yeah. But at least we know it exists and, and that, and we can, in our collective imagination, uh, uh, dream of what this final moment between Tony and Carmela could have been. So thank you for bringing this to light, Mike. Yeah. Appreciate uh, well, it. It's a fun story to do. For sure. And, and I do like uh, in the story how like, like, the quote from Edie Falco, like she seemed to be so happy that he w was into it, you know, that he wanted to do it because she clearly was like super into doing it. <laughs> the fact yeah. that he yeah. was, he, that he like wanted to do it out of the like blue was uh, like clearly like made her pretty happy. Yeah. I think everyone involved seems to have a lot of fun with it. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's awesome. All right. It, should, we, of... should we dive into our episode discussion here? Let's. Guys, second to last episode of the season. Um, mm -hmm. Usually, the the penultimate episodes of the season are are almost more uh, climactic and intense than the final episodes. Um, but this is maybe the exception to the rule here with Eloise. Uh, I'll do a little rundown. We, written by Terrence Winter, directed by James Heyman, his first episode, and originally aired December first, two thousand two. Uh, for those who may not recall exactly what happened in this episode, this was a series wrap for Furio, Federico Castelluccio, uh, as he disappears back to Italy after a night at the casino with Tony. But, great trade-off, first appearance of Finn DiTrolio, Meadow's boyfriend. <laughs> Terrific uh, trade-off, yeah. <laughs> um, Carmela fights with Meadow and her roommates over whether Billy Budd was gay. Not something you were expecting at the at the climax of the season of The Sopranos, but uh, there it is. And Polly smothers an old woman to death. Um, oh, and, and and Johnny Sack surprises Tony by suggesting they take some extreme action against Carmine, which I guess is the one set up for the the finale, right? My my wife walked in like right uh, 
as he was smothering her. And then I was like, I'll look away. And she saw like the shot of her, like when he pulls the pillow up and her eyes like rolled back in her head. She goes like, Jesus Christ. I'll tell you what, like someone asked us on the last episode, like what's the scariest, like that you moment of the Sopranos. That's pretty fucking scary. Disturbing. First off, an old lady who's like saying like, Oh no, like, like, like aware of her imminent death. And like, just then her eyes, like she looks like some sort of weird wax figure. Yeah. Like that scared the shit out yes. of me. Uh, yeah. Also, my wife walked in on the scene where they were stealing bread. Uh, and <laughs> she was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> this guy's taking these old ladies. The fuck is that? Like every like night or every day, uh, in New York City with my old relatives. That's what that scene was yeah. like. <laughs> Taking all the sweet and lows and the sugar cubes. Oh my God. Yeah, that was very familiar to me. Yeah. Uh, like it, because they think they they hoard it and they think like, oh, you know, my son, my daughter, my everybody's gonna need these sugar packets. <laughs> what? Or but it's kind of like a joke in my family. Like my 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 like extended family, they steal like salt and pepper shakers or they steal like at pizza parlors like little the parmesan shit and like oh come on pepper they've stolen glasses okay i'm I'm outing them i'm outing them um that's uh, that's kind of fucked up yeah no it's a but it's a very familiar scenario well the older people like our grandparents generation it was like the depression era of shit is why they they do that you know but sure (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's, I guess. That's why I guess. Let's, 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 yeah, let's that's why that's why Mike's Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the interesting thing about this second to last episode is is like this this really defines to me, and we talked about it a lot on the podcast, like the subverting of expectations, the anti-climax that David Chase loves. We have this affair brewing between Furio and Carmela the entire season, and then he just moves away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With nothing having happened, right? Uh, Paulie is is traitorous to New Jersey and 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 Tony the entire season with the HUD scam and costing Tony money and this and that and then he just uh, comes back to him without any sort of incident you know um, we think that that things are going to escalate between violently between New York and New Jersey and then we, they end up uh, drawing a dick on a painting in in Carmine's restaurant and and there's a work stoppage. <laughs> at the right. esplanade like right. how thrilling right so like this this whole episode to me feels like it's about uh the anti-climax and how david chase uses that to subvert the storylines and expectations of storylines because as we know this all leads up to the ultimate like climax of the season is between tony and carmella not tony in new york or not tony and paulie and 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 this uh, everything else right so yeah like do, when you first watched do you remember what your reactions were to this episode and 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 has it changed how do you feel about this episode now i think i i just rewatched it the other day and mm-hmm. so i don't remember what it was like the first time but i think the thing that kind of hooked me in so much was the uh, carmela furio stuff mm-hmm. um and just like rewatching it now i was thinking of the scene um in front of the helicopter where furio almost you know kind of just throws him into the blades there and he yep. catches himself and i was thinking uh, we're talking about how this, this this show ended or didn't end um there's a lot of moments right where tony escapes death and you know this was obviously one of them and this would have been at, you know at, almost because of his own wife right like that was his own undoing um i thought that was just a very poignant scene especially on, on the rewatch and just thinking it through and just like thinking all the different ways that 
you could have gone for Tony along the way. Yeah. Right. I totally agree. I totally agree with you. Like, I feel like, um, I remember, maybe I remember, uh, watching that scene, like, you know, when it was happening live and being like, Oh, something bad's going to happen here. Like he might, he might, he might push him into the fucking blade or something. It comes pretty close. Really, really thinking that it was going to happen because they've been building up something like something's going to happen. They just killed off like Ralphie a few episodes before. So like, you don't know. Within the episode, Furio is just like in that crazy like zone the whole time. Like Tony's complaining about Carmela in the car. He's like getting like fucking pissed off. And then at the casino, like the, like the, girl asks if he wants to go upstairs and he's just like like just standing there staring at tony he's like no i'm okay he's right. being a real weirdo yeah being, <laughs> you know, quite like weird. that's not typical casino behavior nobody nobody <laughs> notices not. that he's standing there like a, a, a psychopath <laughs> sitting like silently like a statue just like glaring at tony um but yeah i well, mean they, i was gonna say they, they contrasted him as like the complete foil to tony the whole time in that casino scene right like tony's uh a wash he's allowed like he can't control himself furio's just standing there stone cold sober he's uh, rejecting the advances uh of this woman and there's that scene where they're sitting on the bench her and him and then uh uh, wasn't it bruno i think comes like plops himself down completely drunk um and like and the whole time in front of the elevator, like not the the helicopter, him and Tony are just completely different. And they're just making that contrast so obvious, you know, not only for us, but probably as like a way of portraying what Carmela sees too. And right. And then just 100%. boom, like, disappears. hundred yeah. percent. And they've been doing it all season, like showing how, how Furio is just so different than, than Tony by nature, even though he is, we know him to be like, so uh, insanely violent. Right. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and all that sort of stuff. Like they do make a point to contrast the two, um, especially at the casino. But you mentioned Brian Camarada, Carmela's cousin, uh, who's just like throwing up all over himself. Uh, and that where was he? It's so funny. He just like throws him like like what was he doing the moment before that? (laughs) Oh yeah, he was to know. He was rolling dice at the craps table. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's also doing what I what guy. I would be doing. Yeah, yeah. No, that would be all of us. I feel like if we if we hung out with Tony and his crew, we'd we'd be the fucking lightweight. Yeah, I, like, I would I would trip and fall. In, yeah, I would trip and fall into the blades. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 definitely. That's how that story me. ends. Yeah, yeah. Very climactic. Um, but I, but that's that's sort of interesting, right? I mean, I think I think uh, let's say he did do it if furio did just grab tony by the cuffs and threw him in these helicopter blades like what's what's the alternate timeline where that happens like does he because he's seeing it as a means to end up with carmella but do you think he does and like if he if he murders tony and even if he gets away with it like you know I, what how do you guys see that playing out if you could imagine <laughs> I think he would, he would still he would. flee back to Italy. He would <laughs> yeah, yeah, so absolutely. <laughs> like, you know. Does he does he control the family? How does that work? Like, is that a, like a winner take all type of situation? Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, he he he. If you throw the boss in some helicopter blades, you are the boss now. <laughs> that's that's, right. that's nobody just. Can the just... <laughs> I was gonna say, I think like probably it still doesn't work out for uh, for him and Carmela because she always has. Right. If I think back to um, the pastor in season one, she always had kind of 
doubts and always a lot of she was ridden with guilt right right so i imagine if it, if uh if tony met his demise at furio's hands she probably would have been kind of spooked off by that yeah that right. probably would have ended the relationship anyway but of course yeah. the, the story would have been that uh furio would have been telling people oh he was so drunk and he just like stumbled and he fell into the the chopper blades uh and and that's like honestly like there were witnesses to how drunk he was like he he maybe could have gotten away clean with it um and then he comes back to carmela being like i did it i pushed him into a helicopter <laughs> right, he just fesses up yeah that, that, what? i'll actually i will have one of those scones now <laughs> <laughs> let's have let's eat scones freely uh no that's that's interesting um but but yeah, I don't I don't I don't see any end to this uh, where Furio does not just either fold and and head back to Italy, uh, <laughs> or he gets fucking in deep shit for killing the boss of his family. Uh, so he'd be killed, but, and like obviously he comes to that conclusion in the moment. Like I just need to leave for sure. Like I can't just kill this guy, even though I really want to. Right. And, and I think, I think he did the right thing. I think, uh, that's, that's the move when you're like, you know, he, he had previously expressed how he was not feeling at home in America. Uh, and, and I think he just, he had to get out of there. Right. Yeah. Um, it's just so, such an unceremonious, like, uh, departure for the, like one of the great characters on the show, you know? Well, it's that, that shot of, um, of Carmela looking in the window and then they pull back and it's uh, you see like the empty house and, and you just feel that sort of gut punch that she describes uh, to Rosalie. Right. She, she's like, I feel like I was going to throw up like uh, you know, they had had a date and, which is reminiscent of the Vic Musto storyline in, in season two with like the painter who yeah, comes painter. over her house, they make yep. plans to like have lunch or something. And he backs out because he he's bells, scared yeah. of Tony. Right. So it's a little bit repetitive, but but obviously, well, she actually kissed Victor Musdo, so yeah. that's that's the difference uh, between the two. But but it's sort of the the a repetitive storyline. But it's interesting to me that within this episode, they mention Mr. Wegler, AJ's teacher, who we know that Carmela in season five eventually does sleep with, right? Uh, I want to talk about that scene at Meadows apartment in New York uh, where she has like the whole like gripe with the interpretation of Billy Budd and this and that there's so much going on in that scene. Um, but I mean, like, do you guys think uh, like, how do you think Carmela's gripes about Billy Budd being homosexual relate to her current depression regarding Furio leaving? Cause it seems connected. Well, she's, she's obviously, angry about Furio being gone and she feels slighted by like a group of like young intellectual kids. And so she's right. taking out her frustration on them. It really has nothing to do with the book. It's just that she's pissed off because Furio is gone and she pined for him. And yeah. Right. Yeah. I think, I think it sort of relates back to, I, I mean, she, she wants she always wanted every opportunity for her daughter, right? Um, she wanted to send her daughter to an Ivy League school. Um, yeah, but- well, the whole, the, the, whole the, the last scene of the episode, it's just, it just, it just shows that like every, like when Tony is like, 
look at what you did. You created this like independent, intelligent, um, you know, woman. And she's, yes, like she's, she's proud of the mom that she is to her children, obviously, but, but really she's, she's jealous of Meadow. Like she's jealous of, uh, like she wants yeah. to be living the life that Meadow is living. Jealous of her like opportunity, opportunity and the way that she, yeah. can, she could see the world in ways that Carmela just can't, right? Yeah, um, and that, that whole dinner scene, even leading up to that, um, you know, it was clear, like, Tony came in, he was kind of being himself, like he was eating everything, drinking everything, kind of driving the conversation, being loud, kind uh -huh. of obnoxious. Um, and these are all the things that Carmel doesn't really find attractive about him, at least anymore. Um, and I think, you know, it was interesting to see you, you projecting on her that, like, here she is, with seeing these kids who are young and experiencing love for the first time again uh, and kind of getting to see the world where she's like, like you said, on the other end of that curve and she seems to be trapped in this kind of marriage that she no longer wants. Um, so she's jealous of just their freedom almost as much as anything else. Yeah, for I, sure. I, yeah, I think it's the freedom and, and also she, you know, because Carmel uh, Meadow is is uh, has this new budding romance with Finn DeTrolio and and Meadow threatens to uh, leave um, Columbia and go to Northwestern to be with him and and it just feels like her future is very open ended and when Furio leaves that's that's like putting such a button on Carmela's uh, uh, life. <laughs> Really, because because she had been banking on um, these small interactions with Furio for the entire season, and uh, seeing some glimpse of hope for herself, uh, I don't know that she would that she would ever really cheat on Tony without the uh, without the separation. But um, I think like it, she was very tempted to and this is like just the dying of some sort of like hope she had for, for her life that Meadow, it has an abundance of like, it's very open-ended for her daughter and she's jealous. Yeah. And that's, that's something that's not touched on TV in TV drama, like family dramas, especially often where parents are resentful of their children. You don't see that yeah. often, um, right. but it's so, I, I feel like it's yeah. so I'm resentful. Not, I'm not, yeah. resentful of their youth and um yeah that they just have and most and uh, most generations have more opportunity than the previous generation has that's just kind of right you know, more right. more typical than not right um let's let's talk let's shift gears and let's talk a little bit about the new york new jersey beef that's that's escalating early on in the episode we have this golf course scene with uh Little Carmine returning to New Jersey to talk to his dad and Johnny about reducing the uh, the forty percent claim on Tony's share of the the HUD scam from the previous episodes. Um, this is something that Tony went down to Florida and asked Little Carmine to do, uh, but things sort of play out in a weird way here with uh, Little Carmine, Carmine Senior, and Johnny Sack. Um, there's a, there's a few <laughs> lines here that are like classic Sopranos, you know, Carmine calling uh, the Jersey crew, a uh, the Jersey family, family, a glorified crew, um, this and that, like, but like shitting on Tony, like shitting on Tony. Um, very allegorical. Yeah. 
<laughs> as soon as as soon as Carmine Senior starts like saying like he you know he's like I tell you what though back in the day you know uh, with Tony's decisiveness I, I, I would have been proud to call him my son and that's sort of where little Carmine does the 180 and he starts bad mouthing Tony you know he's a bit of a poseur or whatever the fuck he says yeah, yeah, yeah. uh his turf his appraiser this and that and that pisses off Carmine Senior um and this is also the classic line uh, what they saw that green <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. which we've had uh questions about in the past that's right but do you do you think this is sort of do you think the writers were seeing this as sort of a setup for the little carmine johnny, johnny sack rivalry and that would come in season five yeah definitely yeah do, do you think they they knew that they were going to go there Probably, I would probably, think so. yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you know, that's why you know you pr- introduce someone like uh, Little Carmine to begin with, and he starts you know sticking his beak in the family business, right. um, and uh, never really actually doing any good. <laughs> He's always just like fucking things up. Yeah, like right. the it, like the little what, son. Yeah. Would. Whatever. Yeah, whatever happened there. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, I figure whenever you bring in a character named Little Whatever, there's like a chance that he's gonna be involved in the future plans and probably mess it up yep. somehow. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's Definitely. a good call. If yeah. there's a little before the name, uh, watch <laughs> out. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so, so this obviously escalates things, you know, uh, because of his own person. He, little Carmine doesn't like that uh, Carmine Senior. Uh, w- Profess that he would call uh, Tony a son. Uh, he would have been proud to have a son. This escalates things. Things aren't resolved. This means that uh, Carmine's new bar restaurant with his painting from Fiorello LaGuardia is going to get balls and dick painted over it. Like, what do you guys? So, and his res- and Carmine's response to the vandalism in his restaurant is to shut down the entire Esplanade, Esplanade project. What do you guys think of of this tactic? Is this is this a smart boss move, or or is is this his like undoing uh, of Carmine Senior? I think it's a smart move. I mean, like, what can you do? You know, like, uh, it's not like killing anybody, but it's you know cutting off uh, you know the money. Um, but but my thing is, he's also cutting off the money to his own family, his own family, his own yeah. Ter- yeah, yeah, his own crew. Yeah, but they got other things, you know, they got, I mean, I'm <laughs> sure they got other things, you know, but this is, I mean, it's, it's, it's like, yeah, it's going to cut off money for them, but like, it's really going to cut off money, I think for Tony. Sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, right. I think, because... it's, I think it's a, you know, it's almost like checkmate at this point. Yeah. Cause it well, is, the, yeah, the New York family is bigger. They, uh, they have more hands and more things and, uh, you know, the Jersey crew is that pygmy thing over in Jersey. So they, they only have so much, so much stuff like the sports book, you know, the waste management company. So it's, it's, it's absolutely a bigger hit for them. Yes, but not necessarily a bigger hit. Uh, his, his, his consigliere his his underboss, Johnny sack uh, has his, his income is supplemented uh, substantially by the Esplanade project. True. And that's how we lead to Johnny Sack meeting with Tony and floating. Uh, he says it, but he doesn't say it. Uh, whacking, whacking Carmine. 
Yeah, I remember seeing this uh, live and thinking, oh, the season finale, like Carmine Sr. is absolutely getting killed. Like he's <laughs> absolutely going to get killed. Yeah, right, right. And not choke on fucking egg salad or however. <laughs> Eventually <laughs> dies. Beginning of season five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the the anti-climax right carmine right. senior killed by eggs by uh, a big bite of egg salad <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh but 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 yeah i mean it doesn't happen this season and that's the yeah, thing right. so um and, and i f- i feel like that's sort of their point like it's 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 not all about the mob drama like the biggest uh stressor in in tony's life is his marriage and they play that out in the next episode uh, quite effectively. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I guess I-, I think when your underboss is turning against you because you're like intentionally uh, bleeding him dry with this espl- with this like union stoppage and this and that, like that's that might not have been the smartest move. The funny thing is, this is sort of the inverse of what we saw earlier in the season when Carmine uh, very similarly like asked but didn't ask for Tony to whack Johnny Sack in the weight when he wouldn't let go of the the fat joke, right? Right, right, right. You think you think that was like part of the writer's plans for the season uh, uh the season arc or do you think they were just like, "Oh, that's actually kind of a, a nice little uh mirror moment." I assume David Chase and them kind of plan all this stuff out, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's uh, it, it is it is interesting how they always find ways to kind of create adjectives for Tony. Uh, a lot of it obviously is like self created by him in the show, anyway. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny how things just resolve without any action uh, of Tony, uh, like on his own behalf, like the Polly shit, Polly like talking out of school and like leaking shit to new york that's costing tony money it just resolves itself without anything that tony does um carmela or uh, furio there's no there's no direct confrontation with furio he just decides to leave so tony is one fucking lucky motherfucker uh <laughs> yeah which is like a, a whole point of the show until the final season when he like starts right. going on the fuck the whole timeline of him having bad luck well obviously he gets shot by junior uh but then like yeah in 6b like all this shit with him gambling and losing money which i hate it's like my least favorite uh storyline in the show not not lucky in that one episode and then (laughs) right 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 right. but isn't that like the whole like you were saying like the whole point of show he complains right like that he thought he missed the good times for mobsters and gangsters but like he's been incredibly lucky in the fact that he's been able to avoid calamity and like so many different ways and it's still yes. pretty good for him despite his own, you know, yeah. bitching about everything. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of the times it's not due to it's, it's not due to his own savviness. Although I think Tony is a savvy gangster, but like sometimes it's just pure luck how things like play out. Right. So I don't know yeah. uh, if you're, if you like looking at Tony as a boss um, and his effectiveness you know, you have to take into account that he's been very lucky to survive as long as he did uh, or continues to after the final episode, depending on how you look at it. But so this moment where Tony, where, uh, where uh, Paulie is at this wedding and he just happens to meet Carmine, uh, Carmine senior. 
Um, and he sees this as a great opportunity to go, you know, kiss him on the cheek, pay respect. He's been in his ear the entire season. Uh, Johnny Sack has been saying, you know, Carmine Sr. thinks a lot of you, very highly of you. Uh, Paulie has even sort of like underhandedly floated the idea of him like switching sides to New York. If Paulie never finds out that Carmine doesn't know who the fuck he is, how do, how do, how do you guys see this playing out? Because now the conflict is kind of overt. He has that scene with Silvio and the Bing where they, yep. uh, they stand up and start shouting at each other. He basically threatens Sil, you know, you know uh, nobody knows what the future holds, my friend, like that sort of thing. And also uh, Sil basically gets the, the wheels turning in his head to eventually kill men for the money to give to Tony to like get back in his good graces. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, like if he, if, if there was never that moment of realization, what do you think happens with, with, with Paulie? Does he continue to defect? Uh, does he play a hand in, because if he does not know that Carmine senior doesn't know who the fuck he is, and then he learns that Tony might be plotting uh, a, a killing of Carbine Senior with Johnny Sack. He like, get, how do you think? Like, he get, what do you think? He get found out. Like, you know, he he he's uh, like yeah. he's like kind of found out to be a dummy here, and like like luckily he does like you know find that like um, Carmine doesn't know anything about him, and he can sort of uh, redeem himself because yeah if he just keeps going like 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 what he knows it'd be like oh i fucked up i shouldn't have like done this and um they would have found out that it was him they would have gotten like clear-cut evidence and like they would have fucking killed him <laughs> right yeah. you know tony would not have any of that i th I think you're i think you're right paulie's days were numbered if if things did not play out as as they did. He's bumbling, you know, he's a bumble he's bumbling a lot of times. And, well, uh, he's st he still almost gets killed, like in remember when, like, you know, the sure. you flirt they flirt with Two Tony Kelly later, yes. still, yeah. Yeah. So yes. yeah, he, he would have been killed. He would have absolutely been killed. <laughs> right. Um, I want to talk, I want to just return real quick to the the Carmela Furio storyline. Um, but it but it, it doesn't involve Carmela or Furio. This is this is Meadow and Tony on the stairs. This this sort of nice little scene. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, but but uh, before she leaves for Montreal or whatever. Yeah. Right. So this is basically she she has learned through AJ that Carmela started to be depressed and crying a lot and this and that after Furio leaves, um, and uh, she has a scene with AJ in his bedroom. By the way. Uh, <laughs> when he farts and he's like meetings over uh sep and wall and, and zoller sites the the writers of soprano sessions say that rivals uh the no fucking ZD now line from aj uh, <laughs> agree or disagree uh i don't think so, it rivals it but it's great i i just i just know sep and wall's big fart guy i mean I just, <laughs> yeah, fart guy. it's in yeah. his like you know under you know byline or whatever underneath <laughs> yeah, yeah, his yeah. Uh, bio sure. yeah sure. So, so Meadow sort of uh, gleans through AJ that her mother, her mother's depression may be stemming from uh, the disappearance of Furio and, and her recent um, close connection with him. Um, and Tony and Meadow sort of have this little scene on the stairs where 
uh, I love that she didn't know that Tony was in therapy this entire time. Uh, it just sh- goes to show that 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 uh, no children are, are quite oblivious to what's really going on in in, in parents' lives. Uh, but do you think? But so she, we we get the impression that she knows why Carmel is upset. Do you think she's making a conscious decision to spare Tony's feelings uh, here by? by not telling him that she thinks it's about Furio or is she trying to avoid, is she trying to spare his feelings? Is she trying to avoid drama or does she know that Furio could get hurt? What do you guys think? Probably some of the above, right? Like she probably wants to, she probably doesn't want to be the person who kind of breaks that information uh, (laughs) to her her dad. And so she's like, it's something you're kind of walking the line between trying to be helpful and also being like, I don't know how much to get involved. Let's, let's let them kind of figure it out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it's like secondhand from AJ too. So it's like, uh, you want to bring up something that AJ told you that could <laughs> put the... Yeah, that know, could be a bad. That could be bad. Though. That could like ruin your parents' marriage, even though, <laughs> you know, we know what happens in the next episode anyway. But yeah, I feel like she probably wants to keep her beak out of it. Right, so do you, so you you're basically saying like she just doesn't want to have to deal with the fallout from it, or do you think she's? My question is like, do you think she's trying to like spare Tony of like having to confront that his wife might be thinking of another man in a sexual way, or or you know, is it is it selfish of her, or is it like she's trying or is to she save being her like dad? a good person? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, she. I, I, she knows what her father is at this point, so she maybe is like, yeah, I don't want to yeah. inflict any pain on anyone because she knows he'd probably go, you know, wild, right? Like, right. Um, right. She, yeah. she knows he has a temper and he reacts irrationally to a lot of things. Right. Yeah. For also, sure. like weirdly, she's she's at the complete opposite side of uh, where she was with her relationship with her dad with Tony in season three with Noah Tannenbaum. Right. Where she where her dad just reacted so negatively uh, to her dating this this guy. Uh, And then in season four, uh, Finn DeTrolio, Tony, in that scene with the Billy Bud and the and the dinner conversation, Tony's very charming. Tony is like turning it on. Uh, And it's it's just the opposite of what we saw earlier in the series with uh, Meta's boyfriends. Uh, so she probably might not want to like upset that sort of balance I think she has with her dad um, in this moment. Yeah. Um, but that's that's basically it for the episode. The only other yeah. thing uh, that they touch on is is the junior trial. Uh, we, we it opens with the junior trial uh, with Bobby sort of eyeing the guy's wedding band, the jurors' wedding band. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ultimately ends up with Eugene Pontecorvo stepping in, uh, finding him, finding this juror at the uh, at a convenience store and offering to pay for his like fucking candy bar or whatever the fuck it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you guys like think about that scene? Do you think he was? Do you think the message was received in that? Oh yeah, and- yes. <laughs> yeah, that that is how you jury tamper. I'll tell you that. That's <laughs> yeah. a, really that yeah, just mighty many- fine. Many jury times. tampering yeah i yeah I'm a, I'm a jury tampering consultant people <laughs> people hire me to do that all the time oh yeah i just buy gum for people you know <laughs> give them a nice little you know reassuring shoulder massage 
sure uh, but no i thought i think it's a great scene i mean I, uh I, yeah he knows his name like he's also <laughs> got like the other fucking meatball behind him too like right yeah right he's there with his kid yeah it's like terrifying it's, it's all you need to do that's all you need to do to send a message so so like what like put your guy put your self in that guy's shoes you've all, oh I, I i should also say like you've also been sitting in a courtroom for like days upon days hearing like what junior is accused of too. So you have right. all that in your head too. You're like, I would rather that not happen to me as well. So yeah. But so put yourself in that guy's shoes. What would you do? Would you, would you, oh, I would have, I would have loaned defector. As I would have beat the shit out of him. would have been like, dude, in front of my kid, I, this is uncalled, yeah. Feudy would just for. attacked. That's how that would have played out. Sure, this I would have effed up. I would have showed up to court dressed like a clown, uh, and hopefully gotten kicked off the jury, <laughs> replaced with an alternate. There you go. I think it's just one of those things where you just like don't show up, and you're just like, well, you send a note a few days later, and just like hope the judge yeah, understands. Yeah. Right, right, right. 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 Yeah. I mean, that's a fucking tough situation. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know what I would do, but uh, yeah, no, I think I, Mike, I think you're right. I think I would fucking not show up. I would just fucking, I would drive somewhere where they can't reach me. <laughs> right. And, like the, in the village in New York, like just hide <laughs> out in your apartment. Yeah. Just go to your, your <laughs> own apartment. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That should do it. Uh, but that's, that's uh, LOE's. Anybody have any thoughts, any, any moments they thought were particularly great that I missed or, or, or anything like that? No, no. Yeah, it's, a good up. it's a good up. And yeah, is, a, yeah, a classic David Chase fucking with uh, the viewers. Yeah. 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 Sure. I think it was masterful um, for him. I, I, the thing I keep thinking about is the fact that he just sends Furio away like halfway through the episode. Right. Like most episodes, we would just yeah. end on her looking into that house as the final scene. David Chase is just going to like break it on you 25 minutes in or whatever. 100%. Yeah. And, and, you're like, yeah. and you're like, oh, who could die in this episode? Furio could die. Tony could die. Paulie could die. Nope. Just this old lady. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Just Min Matrone. <laughs> yeah. Just Min Matrone getting suffocated to death. Her crazy eyes. As disturbing as it was not the the whacking that we all anticipated for this episode no no um but uh Feudy, did you have a few uh fucking internet yeah just questions? real real quick before we let mike go to sleep because he has a little one and it is late on the east coast fucking internet uh yeah i just put out a feeler to see if anyone had sopranos and or nick's questions and we'll just rattle them off super fast uh greg schaefer does it upset you that tony was a nets fan no because he lived in North Jersey. I have respect for Nets fans who, uh, you know, are from Jersey and were fans of the New Jersey Nets. I just have no respect for people who moved to, you know, uh, Park Slope from whatever the hell they came from. And they're like, oh, yeah, I love the Nets. I'm a huge fan. Huge fan. <laughs> uh, I have no gripes, personally. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> Mike, do you agree? I was just trying to think of the ways that Tony probably had a cut of that business somehow. Like he was running like the parking attendants at Meadowlands. Like he was involved. Sure. Somehow, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
for sure. Yeah, probably, oh, he probably. Definitely, the Cuban, the Cuban probably got him tickets. So <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Joyless Division asks: Is Thibodeau continuing to start Peyton? Uh, Paul Thibodeau is the coach of the Knicks, and Peyton is uh, the most divisive uh, player on the Knicks this year. Is Thibodeau continuing to start Peyton, the equivalent of Tony naming Gigi Capo uh, ahead of his top earner, Ralphie? Thank you for your consideration. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think so. Yeah, you got, you got better earners on the bench, uh, for sure. Because, you know, Ralphie just like, you know, um, kind of does more than, uh, than Gigi, right? Just sort of like the other players. On the Knicks? Yeah. But also, it's like, uh, just like Ralphie is, cr- like, super crazy and untrustworthy, Derek Rose is, um, you know, a, a thousand years old, and uh, he, can't, he can't play him every single minute of the game. And it's working out. You know, Ralph is still putting all that money into Tony's pocket, but this way he, like, kind of keeps his leash, uh, you know, a little shorter. So... Uh, just like analogy. I think that's a great analogy. I don't know. <laughs> Do you have any input, Mike? I know you can't really answer this. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think, I think that maybe the the best way I can think of it is the fact that, like, you know, despite all the griping about how the family needs to change and modernize, they're kind of bound by tradition a little bit. And Tibbs has been riding Peyton as the start of the whole season, so he's just kind of he's sticking with it till it doesn't that's work right. anymore. And, uh, changing changing where he can but Peyton still gets the starter you know gets the first seven minutes or whatever yes, that one. pygmy thing at Madison Square Garden uh let's see uh Schwinny Poo says Elf is Richie April discuss <laughs> I, I'm just gonna be out front and say uh, whatever he says I agree with I can't I don't want to take any Twitter heat from him I, I can't take anymore he is that yeah, guy. for for those who don't know, yeah, he is uh he brings he brings the uh the Glock loaded on uh on Twitter. He's ready to yell. Uh so yeah, I agree too. Um gotta start one, bench one, cut one. Ralph, Richie, Phil Leotardo. Do you do you remember all those guys, Mike? Ralph, Richie, Phil Leotardo. Richie, basically the three most legendary kind of uh, you know, thorns and tiny side. Yeah. I mean, I'd probably bench Richie April, I would guess. Too much of a wild card for me. Yeah. And then you cut Phil, right? Yeah, yeah. Ralphie, like you said, he was an earner. He kind of he kind of got in, you know, he he uh, he met an untimely end, I think, a little bit unfairly. Yeah, agreed. It's true. Ralphie, Ralphie definitely, um, as much as he was a thorn in Tony's side, he definitely made him a lot of fucking money which uh, Richie and, and Phil, you cannot say for. So, uh, Our good buddy Chris Persianen claims that uh, he is tempted to start Phil over Ralph. That is wrong. Chris, yeah. Chris is like 18 years old. Like he, you'll learn. You'll learn. Uh, and, that's, show again. and that's it. We, we, also, Chris added that he is certain that Mike has seen the video of uh, Edie Falco and James Gandolfini and just can't admit it. I would definitely admit it. If I had it, I would have run it and published it. Uh, <laughs> again, if you're listening to this and you are both a huge Sopranos fan and once worked in Madison Square Garden and have access to such things, 
my my email is in my Twitter bio. Send me the video. Please, please. It's got to yes. be Leon Rose. Leon Rose probably has it, you know, right? I mean, he, he, he was <laughs> just, the agent at the time, you know? Like, yeah, right, right. Maybe that's how he got the job. He, uh, he, nego- he blackmailed them. He said, I'll release the tape unless you name me team president. Yeah, uh, hell yeah, that's we're my gonna we're gonna get him baby. we're gonna get him on the pod and he's gonna he's gonna Absolutely. explain himself. Uh, on that note, uh, Mike, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a blast. Uh, where can the listeners find your stuff? Um, I will not plug my Twitter because I cannot, in good conscience, ask anyone to go on Twitter. Um, if you subscribe to the Athletic, <laughs> uh, and, you know, subscribe to the Athletic. I write about the Knicks and some other NBA stuff from time to time, and. Um, that's about it. I have a podcast that I rarely do. So, you know, count that one out too. Oh, that's, yeah, it's, it's a good podcast. Um, when it's public. I should also, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I should also say that um, my wife is very into like stories about athletes, but not the actual sports being played. Huh. And I showed her your piece on Julius Randall's like, you know, off season training. And so every time she watches a game with me, she goes, is that the guy from the article? <laughs> So Julius Randall is the guy from the article to her. That's all he'll ever be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, good stuff, Mike. Thank you. Thank you again for coming on. Uh, this, this has been great. And uh, yes, follow Mike on The Athletic and all the other athletic writers. Uh, you can always hit us up at osopranospod at gmail.com. Thoughts, concerns, things you like, things you don't like. Give us a follow on the socials at osopranospod on Twitter and Instagram. And give us a five-star review on Apple Pods, on iTunes, uh, you know, because that shit helps us. And again, you can tell us that this shit sucks. Just give us five stars, okay? <laughs> All right. Until next week. Oh! Oh! oh. oh.